think. Yep, we're live everywhere. Okay. And we are clearly the home of professional podcasting. We're um, starting at 119 today instead of 10. Sorry. Consistency is the key <laughs> to professional podcasting. That's how you build your brand. Yeah. <clears throat> but we're here. We're so, here for you. Hello, Debbie. We're, we're getting started now. <laughs> Shout out. I hope, and, I hope I hope George has had any accidents. And now so. we're all we're all paused. Here, okay, so. so I'm a little. George off is with your this. son who is potty training. Yes, he's not just a random guy who's having accidents. Having accidents in the home. You know, it's it's. You never know thing. nowadays. You never know. You never it, know. It can take you out of your plans. And that would I would it imagine would really can throw you off like a detour. Oh. So sometimes God does that with that us. That was a stretch, but yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it there to get of off things, this subject. There are a lot of things that are a stretch. Speaking of detours, I mean, I could have talked about like the traffic because it seems like there's detours and construction everywhere nowadays. So that would have been a, a smoother transition. I gotta tell you, in the middle of a pandemic, I'm astonished at how much traffic there is in Southwest Michigan. Because people are Three Oaks is getting packed. fed up. Three Oaks New is Buffalo packed. is packed. I don't even go to New Buffalo. Oh my goodness! I, I if, if if it weren't for seeing people with masks outside walking down the sidewalk for some reason. What, if it weren't for that, you would not know there's a pandemic because there are cars and people everywhere. Yeah, that's why I don't go to New Buffalo. But Three Oaks, yes, is packed. I don't know what restaurants they're going to because the restaurants are either closed or at half capacity. So yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. know Unless where all you these eat outside. Are. Maybe all these people packed together. It's, you know what? I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to mask shame anybody, but I don't understand people that wear masks in their car when they're by themselves. If someone could explain that to yeah, you. I'm not trying to, because maybe there is a reason for it. Well, I mean, I I did it because I forgot to take it off. Well, maybe that's know, it. Maybe so, everyone you know, was forgetting to take it off. Yeah, there, I mean, there's lots of things. And there are people that, that were wearing masks before COVID-19 for allergy right, reasons right. and stuff like that. Right, I get like that. that. You know, it, it is, I have a pastor friend who was wearing a respirator mask, you know, before this ever happened. Right. I get there. Because his, he had severe allergies. Right. And it made a huge impact for him. So if he was outside or even in his in his truck, sometimes he would have this respirator on, which I mean, it looked like some kind of a video game right. character coming at you. Whatever works. I'm sure it freaks some people out. Whatever helps but you, I guess. For for a long time, he didn't do that because he was afraid of you know. I'm getting used look to weird seeing stuff. things that I'm not used to seeing. But that's all. It, you know, once he said, you know what, I'm I'm miserable enough. I don't care anymore what people think. Started doing it changed his life as far as the allergies went it was i guess it makes a difference on whether you can breathe or not breathing is kind of important we, it is. we like to do that i took us on a different path there i took us on a detour yes you did so yeah, let's get back created to, a uh, blocked goal i did you know, troublesome people do that sometimes oh wow but we're gonna take a deep detour here in a minute <laughs> but you I'm, but you are I'm not, about to throw hands you are not <laughs> a troublesome person most of the time <laughs> most of the time all of us are troublesome people sometimes I'm and a all of us face unjust person. treatment sometimes that so. is true so as we're talking about this on sunday we're looking at acts chapter 16 uh and, and really the preponderance of the chapter from verses 6 to 40 <clears throat> and as we're uh kind of working through this we're dealing with not so much God's sovereignty and suffering as we talked about you know a few months back earlier in in the book of Acts and that's true God is doing something and so when we have suffering we need to embrace that uh, it doesn't mean we don't try to avoid suffering but our perspective as Christ followers is dramatically different than that of the world. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God is actually doing something. So when we have a sovereign God who is also a loving and good God, then we can recognize that 
if he was willing for our sake while we were opposed to him, while we were living according to the sinful nature and his enemies, if he was willing at that time to send his son to die in our place, to, to make us right with him when we were not repentant and not seeking him, well then why in the world would we doubt that this, this level of love, this level of power and sovereignty would not then give us every good thing. So whatever it is that comes into our lives, he's, he's not withholding something that costs him less than his son that's good for us. So if he is allowing pain or struggle into our lives, then reasonably, logically, our faith, because we have a reasonable, logical faith, it, it leads us into the idea that he, he's not holding back. So if bad stuff comes into our lives, there is a purpose. There is a reason that he is allowing it and not stopping it. He's working something through that. And previously when we were focused on the suffering aspect of that, we saw that, that what, what the enemy intended as a weapon, God had already previously, before that ever came into the devil's mind, ordained as a tool. Well, can we dive into that yeah, a little bit? Yeah. Because you mentioned this on Sunday, and maybe it's deeper into what you want to talk about today, but... Often when, when struggles do occur in our lives or, or blocked goals, we automatically, as Christ followers, think it's the devil. Right. The devil yeah. is, why is the devil doing this to me? Oh, the devil's really working in my life, blah, blah, blah. And you mentioned something on Sunday that it's not always the devil. It no. Could, it, you know, it, because if it's something that is to shape us or to to be for our benefit or, or to strengthen us somehow... We can't always look at that as the devil's attacking me right? because it could be God. Well, it changes your strategy. If it's right. the devil attacking you, then the goal has to be end this. I'm going to resist the devil and he's going to flee from me. And, and very often prosperity teaching leads us into that perspective that every bad thing that, that I face, every blocked goal, everything that gets in my way, it's from the devil and must be removed. And I think the first preacher I ever remember hearing talk about this explicitly and at length was Tony Evans, hmm. uh, which uh, it, it was it was very significant for me when I, when I heard it. He said, "Look, if if God is your problem, you're not going to have a solution other than God. He is your solution. If God is the one blocking your goal, if God is the one putting this obstacle in your path, then all of your praying against it, all of your you know, combating it, you're just working against God. Well, I think that's the thing. And it's hard to sometimes take a step back if you're facing a specific struggle or, or blocked goal to think, okay, why? Why is this being blocked? And to try to look at it from that perspective of, is it being blocked because it's really not something I should be doing right. or that's not going to be good for me? And it's, I think it's very hard in our humanness to take that step back and think that way when it's something we really want. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's it's not in our nature right. to give up on what on It's our much desires. easier to blame the devil. <laughs> it is. You know, and, and same thing with our temptations and when right. we, when we give in to these temptations, God doesn't tempt us towards sin. Right. Obviously, he's not tempted by sin. He doesn't tempt anyone else towards sin. But when we fail in that temptation, we often blame the devil. And, right. You know, people who are old enough to remember Flip Wilson or have Googled Flip Wilson at some point, one of his famous lines was, uh, was the devil made me do it. That was right. his big punchline thing. And far too often we have And that's become kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. Right, like, yeah, you know. the devil made me do it. Well, the devil doesn't make you do right. anything. He might provide opportunities right. for you, but 
but <laughs> that just reminds me of my wife <laughs> we were we talk a lot about my choices determine my destiny mm-hmm. and so uh the, i think she made her sister cry or my sister cry or somebody cry with you know speaking directly and uh pointing out truth and someone said oh you, you made her cry so i didn't make her cry i you know i i just presented an, uh, an opportunity for that <laughs> she chose to cry but anyway that story means absolutely nothing to anybody who wasn't there uh as we're Looking at, at how God operates in our lives, there are there are reasons why God blocks us from things, and I don't want to. I also don't want to distract people into spending all your time trying to parse every situation in your life and and oh my gosh, is this is this the Lord? Is this the devil? Right. And so on. We walk forward. I remember Charles Stanley back in the '90s. I was reading a a, a book about listening to God from from Charles Stanley and. Uh, and basically the, the premise that he was giving us in determining God's will is stop spending so much time trying to figure out God's will. Mm-hmm. Walk forward. God will lead you or block you when you are pursuing God's will. You have the word. You know what he expects from you in the word. You have a prayer relationship so you can stay in communication with him. If you're surrendered to God and obeying his word and you walk forward, then you'll be able to see whether God is calling you farther on, uh, whether God is calling you farther on or whether God is uh, calling you to stop if you're being blocked in that. So uh, when, when the devil is trying to obstruct us and there is something, it's keeping us from what God has for us and, and we pray against it, then God will remove those things. When, God, when we are praying for something that is clearly God's will in Scripture and it doesn't get removed, it's because it's not God's will for that moment. God is doing something in his sovereignty. And, the, and we know, you know, in this particular passage, Paul and Silas, they want to they preach the gospel. That's what they're doing. This mm-hmm. is, they've transitioned from a pastoral trip to a missionary trip, and they want to spread the good news into these other places. And so as, uh, as they want to go and preach in Asia, the Holy Spirit blocks them from that, stops them from going. Is it because they're not supposed to preach the gospel? No, of course they're supposed to preach the gospel. Is it because God doesn't want the gospel to go into Asia? Well, he does because these churches are all going to establish there. We're going to have letters to them, you know, that, that come out of this area. So that's not it. But God is telling them, not now. This is not the place mm-hmm. for you for now. So then you, you redirect. And God closes a door, so he opens a window, right? So we're going to go out through Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit says, no, nope, we're not going there either. Well, why not? Does God not love the people of Bithynia? No, that's not it. I've got a different direction. So God blocking them kind of hems them in. And so not every obstacle that we face is intended to be removed. God is putting up guardrails or hedges sometimes to steer us. And, And the devil, as you said, isn't always the one that's stopping us. Sometimes that block that 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 God is using either to steer us or to get us to self-reflect, to reevaluate our own uh, character in it. Maybe it's not the direction that's the problem. Maybe it's our heart. Maybe God's saying, yes, I want you to worship me, but before you worship me, you've got to reconcile this relationship. So I'm going to stop you. You can't bring your heart to the altar until you unburden your heart of these sinful attitudes, mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, of unreconciled relationships. That You need to go and address these things. So we need to recognize that his hand is often in that. And we looked at uh, Numbers 22 in the story of Balaam and his donkey. And I think a lot of people 
uh, have heard the story, as you know, we like to tell stories about unusual things in scripture that show up in, in kids' stories, especially if there's animals involved. So when the Lord speaks through this donkey... I just pictured Eddie Murphy. <laughs> well, they, I, I make, it makes you wonder, does he sound like Eddie Murphy? Did That's it, what did, I was thinking. Yeah, did, that, that would be interesting. Why'd you beat me? <laughs> but, Sorry. But, you know, as this is happening, God is blocking Balaam's goal. He's trying to get someplace. Right. Blocked goals create frustration and anger. That. That's a basic thing. I, I have an expectation in my mind. Something or someone is keeping me from that expectation, and it frustrates me. And very often leads to anger. A lot of our fights come from those kinds of things. Uh, it, it really important in, in uh, interpersonal relations. We're mm-hmm. talking about marriage or whatever else, or parenting. You know, There is a difference between um, the, the, when my child does something wrong and I have to discipline them, and when my child blocks my goal and makes me angry. That's not the right, same thing. we right. got to be aware of those. So same thing happens here. Uh, God uh, has an angel there, and the donkey then won't go you know, up to where this angel is who's there to kill Balaam. And we get to have this conversation about God's will and about um, you know, responding, uh, not, not prophesying for money, but prophesying because God has given you a word. The point being, it was it was not that the donkey was being bad, and it mm-hmm. wasn't that the devil was blocking him. It's that God was protecting him from God's own judgment in that situation, so that he could use it. So, one way or another, <clears throat> we recognize that God speaks through our frustrations, uh, and and as we talked about the the core reality of the passage, uh, it, it's that God's perfect plan often comes dressed as disappointment. God has a plan for us. But it's not necessarily the plan that we want. I watched a, a, a film recently that I think we may show at the church at some time uh, called American Gospel. And it, it shows how uh, the prosperity gospel has crept in into the church and we're exporting it into the world. Uh, largely through our consumer nature and all these different things that, that we are, are doing as we want stuff our way. We, we think God's plan must match up with my plan. So God must want me happy. God loves See, Burger me. Burger King people. <laughs> That's right. You can't have it your way. God loves me. He wants me happy. God loves you and has a special plan for your life. Well, yes, he does. But that special plan very often involves suffering. It involves disappointment. It involves not getting that promotion, not getting that job, not going that direction. Not Maybe, having everything be great. Well, and, and, and sometimes it's... You know, I think I'm doing God's will. I really want to take the gospel into Asia. And God says, no, I don't want you to take the gospel into Asia. I want you to take the gospel into Europe. This is the call for now. We're going to get to Asia or someone else will get to Asia. Whatever else God's going to do in his sovereign plan, he doesn't have to answer it to me. But a lot of times through the frustrating things that he does in our lives, when he frustrates our goals, blocks us from what we expect, He's speaking to us. He's directing us and steering us into a better way. And so, you know, we we need to recognize that. I think it's appealing to look at the other side of that when you see, and I'm not knocking anybody in particular, when you see these huge mega churches with these famous pastors who have become kind of like pop culture me icons. Right. Um, and you know, they they look. <laughs> We're losing Instagram. Oh no! I'm sorry, Instagram. Let <laughs> me make you sick. Um, you see these these people that have become you know. Social media famous, they're, they're 
There you go. That's, that will help. They're young and, you know, the, the bands, I'm thinking like, like Killsong and Vertical Worship, whatever. Yeah. And you see these pastors and, and these churches that seem to have so much and have these, you know, great stories of success and inspiration and whatever. And that's very appealing. Mm-hmm. And But they may not be teaching the right Fits Thanks. the American dream really well. Sure, and I think it's especially appealing here. Um, so, is that? I don't want to go too far over the edge here, but is that a little bit dangerous? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, a very prominent, actual megachurch pastor um, said back in the '90s, "Bigger isn't better. Smaller." I'm not saying there's something wrong with bigger. Isn't better, right? Better is better. Yeah. Our our purpose is to fulfill God's purpose for us. And so that was Rick Warren that said that. And Rick Warren gets lumped in with a lot of these other folks. And not that I agree with everything that Rick does, mm-hmm. but Rick doesn't agree with everything that Rick does. That's one of my one of the things that first caught me about him is like, don't try to do what we're doing here because this isn't your church. You're not in our area. You're not in our culture. You're not ministering to our people. You have to do what what works for you to fulfill. <coughs> excuse me, to fulfill the purpose that God has. For you, God has a purpose for all of us in the New Testament church. It's the same purpose. Here at Real Life, we we word that as that, that God's purpose for us is to reflect the reality of Christ through relationships. But it involves the same things that every church is called to do in in ministry, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, <coughs> and worship. Excuse me, I'm going to have to get some water here in a minute and leave you solo. Um, so that'll be a boring conversation. <laughs> Uh, I won't respond much, probably. But as we're working through that stuff, God, God will bring us back. When we think that we, that God's blessing comes in a clear path, mm-hmm. and God is trying to direct us with obstacles, and and we power through that. Sometimes we're we're not doing what God wants. I'm not saying everybody who has things go right is not being blessed by God, because God certainly does bless in that way. Right. Sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes the prosperity that we seek is actually a curse and not a blessing, and we got to be very careful about that. There's a um, people call it seeker sensitive uh, churches a lot of the time that, that fall into that trap. I, I would refer to it more as seeker driven churches, um, because I think sensitivity is a good thing. For for a lot of reasons. We want to be aware of who's here. We want to be sensitive to their needs. But the church exists not primarily, when we're talking about, and when I, let me clarify. The, the church itself, the called out ones, exists to reflect the reality of Christ here, to be his ambassadors, mm-hmm. to make disciples. But that's not the primary goal. Evangelism isn't the primary goal of the church. It is a primary goal of the church worship is not the primary goal it's a primary goal all of it comes together in being the representation of christ who is the fullness of of god the the fullness of the deity in bodily form we are replacing the physical presence of christ on earth with the physical presence of the church on earth his hands and feet (coughs) which is what you water that's right. Which is why the uh, the the picture that we have, we'll fix this. Um, the picture that we have of the body in the church is so important. You know that 
not only does it does it fulfill the picture that Paul gives of, of many parts working together for right. a cause, but we are Christ's body. We are his physical representation here in the world. And so that's that's our call. Now, how does that play out? Differently for everybody. Here in Three Oaks, if we were to have a mega church, it would be not fitting to our community, right? right. It's not that we would have to be pulling people from way beyond. There's, it's not a population center. So when you have mega churches, you're generally in a bigger population center, large enough to be able to draw a couple of thousand people or more. Well, we don't, that's our entire population. Right. Now, do we want to get bigger? Yes, because every person who is here is somebody that's hearing the gospel. Every person who is not here, maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't want to draw anybody from another church, but I do want to draw people out of their complacency. I do want to draw people out of the death that they're in. So whatever we can do to bring more people in, great. But not at the expense of doing the rest of the job of the church. Mm-hmm. And this, I'm starting to get off into a different direction, but but the worship service the worship experience is a transcendent thing if we make it common if it's just like going to a concert or a restaurant and it's and i say this as a church that we've we've if i can use the term marketed you know we've kind of put out this image out there of you know come as you are and and that's true and the reason that we do this because that's how you come to the cross in the first Mm -hmm. place you can't dress yourself up and impress god but when you know him we need to get beyond this idea that church should be the same as everything else. That it, right. it should sound like the CDs I'm listening to right. in my car. It should be like going to a restaurant or going out, you know, having a good time someplace. I want you to have a good time, but not that kind of a good time. Sometimes the, the real good time is when God shatters you and breaks your heart. If we're going through laments in Scripture, you should not be having fun. Right. It's a lament. That's the idea. When God is speaking to you in conviction, it's not time for us to be giddy and making jokes. So I have to fight that tendency because, as we all know, I'm a little bit of a smart aleck sometimes. I have to fight that tendency myself to not just be wisecracking up there all the time. It's not about having a fun speech. You know, right. it's, it's not trying to to get attention and and make this a party right. and it kind of that kind of goes against from your standpoint public speaking 101 it kind of goes against those things because you want to draw in your your audience because right. you want to make sure people are paying attention and i do but you want need to do, do, that. do that with yeah. with truth right it's the holy spirit that needs to get right. people's attention i could be the greatest preacher in the world i'm never going to be but but let's say i'm the the most dynamic speaker there is if people are there for me and they're and they're and I'm appealing to their flesh in my in my way of because you're of exciting speaking, or whatever, then that which appeals to the flesh is of the flesh. Well, people aren't changed by their flesh; they're already in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So, of course, if, if we do something great, if we gave away a fifty dollar bill to everybody that came on Sunday morning, we'd pack the church every time. But whose life is being changed by that? People need to be confronted by the Holy Spirit. And just as we're looking at, to kind of come back to the passage, just as we're looking at in the rest of these things, the things that God intends for us are very often disappointing according to our fleshly expectations. Right. We want our thing. And God isn't bound by our thing. He's God. 
we're not. And so we need to recognize that if we're going to be if we're going to be following him, sometimes that means he's going to block our our goals. He's going to shatter our expectations and we're going to be frustrated. And that's how he's going to speak to us. Sometimes it means we're going to have to deal with people that we would not in ourselves want to deal with because right. they're people as a rule just for all of us here are a pain. We, we are all pains to each other. I don't even like myself sometimes. You know, Amen. There are times I'm like, I don't want to be around this guy anymore. I'm stuck with me, so I'm here. That's the worst. You know, <laughs> that's, this, is, this is really important for us to recognize that the people who most are ministry are sometimes the ones who irritate us. And, and the people who are really difficult that we deal with are, are carrying burdens that a lot of times we don't understand. We don't know what their burdens are. And if we do know, we don't understand them fully. We can't comprehend it. And we, we see that in the passage that there, you know, there's this uh, demon-oppressed uh, servant girl, um, slave girl, who uh, is just, just annoying them, just frustrating. Finally, the annoyance leads to her deliverance. So without getting into details in the passage again, uh, they, Paul gets just so irritated, so annoyed, that he... Now he gets it, what he didn't get before. Who knows why he didn't heal her before? Maybe he didn't realize it was a demon. Maybe it's you know, just, you know, oh, okay, fine, shut this kid up. Women. <laughs> Chicks be crazy. Uh, so as, as the irritation comes to a head, it moves him to do something. Sometimes God speaks to us through these irritations, through frustrated expectations and goals, through, through irritations in relationships. And that's part of why, it's a big part of why local church membership, and when I say membership, I mean it committed, I'm in. Not just I'm attending on Sunday morning, but I am committed to submitting to the authority of the elders of that church, to doing life together with the other brothers and sisters who are there, walking through this life with them. Uh, I use the the um, analogy for, for marriage, uh, uh, of marriage for membership, that... I'm not dating the church anymore. I'm married. I'm all in. I'm committed. If things go wrong, I stay. If you make me really mad, I stay. If I disagree with the pastor, I stay. And I fight to get this right because we together are walking according to the scripture. And if somebody's getting off, I'm in it and married to this family enough that I will speak to that. I will address it. I will walk through it. I'll deal with the irritations. I'm going to love the people who get on my nerves. I can't do that in a broad theoretical sense of I'm connected to the church at large. It has to be a local body of real flesh and blood people. And real flesh and blood people get on my nerves a whole lot more than the idea of some Christian overseas somewhere who can be completely idealized in my mind. They, they just love Jesus and they're easy to get along with. That's not how it works. That, that, that's actually why things like, like you know, fantasy living, whether you're talking about pornography, uh, romantic novels, wh whatever it is, we get so caught up in, in romantic movies because this is the ideal. Even like Hallmark you know, movies or whatever. Absolutely. And those are my faves. And so, you know, and, and that happens in, in marriage. When we find temptations outside of marriage, mm -hmm. people act like it's it's always sexual. It's often not. Right. And, and, and I would say the majority of the time it's not. It has everything to do with this mental picture of what life would be like if I were in that other situation. Because right. the grass is always the, greener. That's right. But the reality of it is, Whatever the color of your grass, it's still got to get mowed. 
Well, it's like we've talked about before, using the Hallmark movie example. I'll give you a second to chew your gum. (laughs) Using the Hallmark movie example. Hallmark movies always, 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 always end when the couple just finally gets together and, you know, has their first kiss or whatever. It's the exciting but easy part. Right. And then you don't see what happens from there on out. For the next 70 years. Right. And so you don't know if it's going to be, you know, just great from from there on out. That's actually why I actually really like... Uh, the movie, I never read the book, but the, the movie, The Notebook. Mm. The reason I yeah, love it, it shows, yeah. is it's focusing on the the next oh, 70 Oh, you don't years. love it because Ryan Gosling. You're, you're going back. He's an attractive young lad, but uh, yep. uh, Rachel McAdams is not unattractive She's gorgeous, either. yes. But the, what I like about the story of it is the suffering. Mm-hmm. The yeah. suffering is what makes it, it matter. It shows an actual... It adds gravitas to it. The romance is that's fine. Most of the romance is drama, you know, and you see the flashbacks to their younger, right. younger childhood, childhood, younger romance. Right. I'm in love. It's passionate, and then we hate each other, mm-hmm. and then we love each other, then we hate each other. That's kind of how young passion tends to be. But when you get to the place, spoiler alert, where she's got it's Alzheimer's, been like twenty years, right? Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> spoiler alert for the sixth sense. You know, if you haven't seen it by now, it just doesn't matter. Right, but. If, when you get to um, the the place where you know she's she's got Alzheimer's and she's dying mm-hmm. and he's there with her and telling their story you know this this is where love happens right. through the pain with real right. people and that's the same thing in the church that that God has called us to live with real people to mm-hmm. do life together so it's not just a consumer relationship I show up on Sunday morning I get fed through songs and, and sermons and I go home and uh, that's life. Church membership is the picture of New Testament Christianity where we are daily living life together. It doesn't mean we're together every day. Right. But in this, I'm invested in you. You're invested in me. When I'm a jerk, you love me anyway. When you're a jerk, I love you anyway. We're going to suffer through things together. And that's really hard. Sure. And, and I don't think I can express in words enough how hard that is or how important that is. If we are not living that life, if we are not living that committed life with troublesome people in committed membership in a local church, we are not living in obedience to God. We are not living out the Christian life according to what the Bible depicts. So that's really important. And I probably have not said that enough in the last 17 years. I, I, I don't know. I think maybe along the way, especially early, we probably de-emphasized membership in, in, in without realizing it becoming that um, you know what what folks would criticize in a seeker-sensitive church that where uh, it was we were never not preaching the scriptures, but it just not dealing with those implications of it enough. And I think now we need to 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 be really understanding what we're seeing. Throughout the book of Acts. It's right. people living, dying, laughing, weeping, rejoicing, bleeding together, working for the purpose that God has for us. And sometimes that leads into unjust treatment. You know, I'm when, glad you got there. When we're, when we're fulfilling <clears throat> our purpose, we are at odds with the world. The right. world system is anti-God. We don't like to think of that. We think of the world as neutral. The world is not neutral. The yeah. world is governed by the devil. 
And so anybody... What's going on now hasn't showed you that. Well, I don't know what... and, and, and when we try to make it neutral, when we try to portray it as politics isn't neutral. Mm-hmm. We are living in the moments, not this moment, every moment, we are living in moments that are always a conflict of good versus evil. Doesn't mean there aren't neutral you know, choices. Whether you have onions on your burger or not, I would never. The you know oh. that that's not a choice of good versus evil. That's a choice. It of, might be. That's a choice of raw onions don't sit well with me, so oh, I don't well, like them. You old. You know, but no, that's been since I was a little kid. I am not not related to that. Um, cooked onions, dramatically different. Story. I agree with you. There. So yeah. you know, if I'm going to have a mushroom and Swiss burger, I'm going to have Some sauteed onions, onions on it because right. that's that's life right there. But that's not a choice between good and evil. That's a choice between two Digi- indigestion and two, two equivalent right. things that are a matter of taste. Right. When we're talking about dealing with life issues, hmm. there is real injustice in the world. Yeah. And if we start getting caught up in worldly perspectives of that, where we are thinking like the world, and we measure injustice by worldly standards... And we react to injustice, more importantly, according to worldly standards, then we are not living in the in the heart of the Christian life. We're not doing what Christians do. And so God is very often, as he does here in Acts 16, using unjust treatment to accomplish his purposes. And so Paul and Silas are unjustly arrested, beaten, uh, jailed, locked up in, in, in with their feet in stocks with their feet spread apart in these stocks to create painful cramping, according to the commentaries I was reading. As as we see this deliberate, painful incarceration for not with, with no trial. There is no trial. They're not convicted the of anything. Part. They're unjustly. They're All they're trying to do is follow God and love people. And they are beaten and jailed for that. That is dramatically different than... Uh, you know, police uh, brutality where I do something and I get treated more harshly. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it, whatever the situation is. It, it And we do see lots of injustice. We see, you know, racism and bigotry where you didn't do anything at all. But because of the color of your skin or the color of your sin, people come against you. So, you know, if, if somebody causes harm uh, to a gay person, to somebody who's embraced this lifestyle. Yeah, hate crimes that, are real. That is, right. I would say, as a rule, if you're committing a crime against somebody, For the, it's it's a hate crime. It doesn't oh, really yeah. matter what their background is. You're doing something hateful to them. Um, I'm trying to figure out how you can murder somebody and have it not be a hate crime, but that anyway, that's another whole discussion for another time. But the... When we get into this bigotry toward other people, yes, as Christ followers, we have a job to to fight against injustice, to to usher in uh, more of God's rule, that his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's part of our job. That's not what we're talking about here. We're really talking about how to respond to unjust treatment when we are what when we are discriminated against when there's bigotry toward us how we handle that is the truest testimony of the reality of christ in our lives 
if I really am following Jesus, then how I handle not just adversity in general, but specifically mistreatment, specifically unjust treatment toward me, that is a reflection of Christ who suffered for us unjustly. <coughs> we did the crime. He did the time. Right. So when he suffers for us, 100% the only innocent death ever in the history of the world, right? No sin, original or or actual, as my Catholic friends would say. No, no transgressions, no sinfulness in his heart, and he died for all of our sin. The only truly unjust suffering. And so we have 0, 0.00 rights to complain. <laughs> and, and he left us that example right. that we should follow in his right. steps. So if we're going to follow in the Christian life, then, then we need to embrace that and recognize it and make it purposeful. So while God's perfect plan doesn't often look the way we want it to look, sometimes it's block goals, sometimes it's frustrating, troublesome people, sometimes it's that you know the world around us mis mistreats us, treats us badly. Even occasionally, <clears throat> far too occasionally, even sometimes it's believers mistreating us. Mm -hmm. How we respond, responding in grace the way Christ responds, is the truest testimony to whether or not the reality of Christ is reigning in us. And so we need to recognize how, how we're going to handle that purposefully because God speaks through our tribulations the same as he does through our irritations and the same as he does through our frustrations so that as he uses these block goals, troublesome people, and unjust treatment in our lives to bring about not only his best for us, yes, that, but his best through us for others, which is exactly what we see in Acts 16, disciples are being made through the bad situations. Life gives you lemons, make disciples, right? So you go into the, the world understanding that in this world we will have trouble. But ultimately, the good news is, and we forget this is good news, I'm going to die, this trouble will be over, <clears throat> and I'm going to transfer from this daily living in death to the fullness of life on the other side of the grave because I'm in Christ. And I need to, while I'm here, bring as many people with me as I can. All the rest of this is just God detouring us from our plans to his. That's what we're working on. And we will end there because we're way over. Yeah, we uh, are. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions as usual, uh, feel free to email us something real at reallifeonline.org or leave a message on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you are listening or watching. And... Uh, yeah, I'm sure we could have talked a lot longer about this because I, sure. I have more to say, but I won't. Uh, so thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.